Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Yeah, could I have a number three with cheese and uh, a large coffee? Man, does this smell good. Wolfing down your lunch. <laughs> Serving up today's top sports stories with Wolf and Luke. Hey, boys. Presented by Stadium Swim at Circa Resort and Casino, Las Vegas' ultimate sports fan destination. All right, it is noon on a Monday. It is time for Wolf and Down Your Lunch. And she flew all the way back from Hawaii just to do this segment. Wolf Aaron Maloney is here. So the Phoenix Suns have won five straight games as they defeated the Thunder yesterday, 128-118. Mind you, 6-0 with Kevin Durant. Mm. We've been trying to tell you since June, Wolf. <laughs> Here's Suns head coach Monty Williams after the game. The wins, we always talk about that. We're grateful for every win that we get. But I'm more concerned with the wins and how we play. Uh, we had a two-for-one situation at the end of the third. That was not, that's not what we do. We usually, usually execute those uh, well. Um, and then they trap book a couple of times and we didn't get to our spots quick enough um, the way that we need to. So I love the wins and we got to keep winning um, just based on where we are at the same time. I want to be able to win and stack solid as best as we can. That's something we've talked about all year just continuing to stack solid. So our Sanderson Ford poll question is up now at ArizonaSports.com and it asks if the Suns lock up the number four seed after Tuesday's game, which they do for the last three games. Your choice is rest key players, only rest players for the last game, or play out all three games with everyone. Man. Wow. I I did not expect them to be in this situation where they could rest any players. I, I honestly... I, I don't want. I don't want everybody. any players. Yeah, I don't want any players resting. I, I would. I would play out all three games, but I. I wouldn't play a ton of minutes for these guys. But they haven't played together. It's not like a macho thing. Like, hey, look, we can play out this. They haven't played together. Yeah. So I think they need to. Plus, you get a week off before the playoffs. It's not like the. It's not like the season ends Sunday and the playoffs start Tuesday. It doesn't start till the following weekend. So well, you don't the, get rested. The playing games. Yeah, it doesn't don't affect worry the about sun. that. Yeah. <laughs> Just go ahead. You guys play in. You guys have fun. Yeah, okay? Dallas, you go ahead and deal with the play chill in. Over oh, here. wait. I'm sorry. Dallas, you're uh, not even in the play I know. Okay. okay. We, just wanted to tra- we just wanted to talk a little trash right now, right? I'm going to play everybody. I'm going to manage your minutes. Yep. That's fine. So 44% say play out all three games with everyone. 29% say rest key players. 26% only rest players for the last game. The D-backs rallied in L.A. yesterday to beat the Dodgers 2-1 to earn a series split. What did skipper Tori Lovello see from his team in their opening series? You know, we, we came in here and won a couple games, and I don't think we swung the bat as good as we possibly could have. Whether there was some some you know, anxiety or just overall excitement, I don't know. But you saw little glimpses of it from time to time, and you saw some things that these guys are capable of doing with manufacturing a run. So Corbin gets a base hit, steals a couple bases. You know, we have a playbook. You guys know what it is. You guys know what we've been talking about all, all um, spring training long, and we're starting to execute it. We, we try to keep some things in the bag, and we did, but um, you know we're still going to keep forcing the force in place and, and making plays happen, and that's what Corbin did. What did you see from the D-backs in their first four games of the 2023 MLB season? 
I saw a team that was playing to their strengths in terms of only scoring seven runs in a four-game series. I don't really care who you're playing. You're probably not going to win many, if any, games. But they managed to grind out a couple wins by manufacturing offense. They're going to have to hit better or they're not going to be a story <laughs> in August, right? But I think that they will hit better. Uh, I, I saw a team show some resiliency, too. It didn't get didn't get great pitching from Zach Gallen even, and that'll turn around. Got bad pitching from Madison Bumgarner and still managed two wins. Yeah, for me, once again, I saw a team that competed, and I loved it, even though they were outscored in the series 20-7. to um, They came up with a split. Even though they were outscored 20-7, to they came up with a split with a team that won 111 games last year. Um, yeah, you know what? I'll take this, and I'll run. And some of those young guys on the roster right now, I think this is going to help them as well to start 2-2 two two against the Dodgers. And I realize it's only four games, but when you're young and you're really trying to make your way through the highest level our species can generate, this is going to be a nice little confidence shot, a shot they needed. Coming up tonight, number four UConn will face number five San Diego State in the national championship game in Houston. Here's Danny Hurley. You know, when, when we're playing harder than the other team, which is our calling card, um, you know, going like plus nine on the glass, playing elite defense, and then having a lot of answers on offense, you know, we're there's nowhere where we're. Uh, where we're weak as a team and we're deep. So, you know, we're able to kind of, you know, body blow our opponent. Who do you have and why? Boy, we could just play Danny Hurley audio about the national championship, and I can almost convince myself ASU is in the national championship. We're just playing the audio. Yeah, exactly. Uh, UConn's, I think UConn's going to win. Nothing, taking nothing at all away from San Diego State, and that was a crazy finish against FAU. But, man, UConn, you know, when we had Mike DeCourcy on last week and, and he pointed out the how important it is to have a quality big man, and like going all the way back to like 1997, I think he said, um, UConn just has the advantage in so many different areas that I'd take them. First of all, I just love that song right there. Are you kidding? I think UConn is going to win, but that's beside the point right now. Did you listen? You want culture? Did you hear Dan Hurley? There's your culture. Playing harder than the other team. <laughs> that's their culture right there. What a great quote that is. If I'm a coach, I don't care what sport that I'm playing. I don't care at what level. High school, college, whatever it may be, pro. I'm taking that cut right there to define what culture is. Playing harder than the other team. When we're playing harder than the other team, we're plus nine on the glass. We're playing elite defense. We're, we have a lot of answers offensively. We're able to kind of body blow our opponent. This is who we are, and this is what we do, and this is how we do it. That is beautiful, Dan Hurley. That is beautiful. That is culture. And then just as a quick follow-up, do you think it's going to be a close game tonight? Uh, my gut I tells don't. me not all that close. Like, I don't think UConn's going to win by 20, maybe. I don't know. I, I just think UConn's going to be in control the whole game. 
I think that's probably, yeah, you know what, I think Luke is right on that. I think they win by double digits. It's been a crazy tournament, though. So, I mean, anything, yep. it's not like it's not like this is an all-time True. great basketball team, this particular UConn team. It's not like they're like one of the five greatest teams ever, but they're pretty good, and they match up pretty well, and yeah. All right, that was uh, Wolfing Down Your Lunch. Thank you, Aaron. Of course, good to have you back. Legendary voice of the Suns. Al McCoy has announced his retirement, and we want to hear from you. Text Al to 620-620 and submit a video. Uh, thank you, Al. A uh, message in that video. We may even play it on the air. So, again, text Al to 620-620. When we come back, KD went out for 35 yesterday. Is this about what you expected from the superstars? Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke. Suns run to the playoffs coverage. Brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 6.25% on your retirement savings. All right, the Suns have won five in a row. This is the new Metallica song, right? Is that what this is? You might want to pop this one off right here, right? Joe! It's catchy. It does kind of, yeah. It kicks in here a little bit. They have a long intro, but it is catchy and it starts to sound like old Metallica. Oh, there we go. See, now that is right there. (laughs) What off? (laughs) Okay. You were saying something, Luke. What is it you want to say right now as we all kind of rock out to a little talaka? I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out how we get James Hetfield on the show to talk about Kevin Durant. Everything's blurring together. Yeah. Now, look, I, you know, KD goes off. He uh, he led the team in scoring on Friday. By the way, I'm 5-0 and and Kevin or Devin. No big deal. Okay. Then he put up 35 yesterday. Yeah. Um, and I mentioned this to you earlier. I don't know if you're still getting them, but I'm still getting tweets from people that are like, uh, I don't like that trade. Not a good trade. Look at what Mikel Bridges is doing. Mikel is having a a monster breakout performance. Like you said earlier, Wolf, he probably wouldn't have been in position to to have this breakout uh, if he were with the Suns still. I'm happy for Mikel. He's one of my favorite all-time players, legitimately. I hope they get him back in 2026. (laughs) But when everybody's falling all over themselves that Mikel put up 30, and KD's putting up 35, and the Suns haven't lost a game he's played in yet. Yeah. I, I just, I wonder if there is a, I don't know what the percentage is. Because, I mean, I was at the game on Wednesday, and people were going crazy for KD. And that was his worst game as a Sun. But there is a percentage of Suns fans that are not on board with this trade yet. And yeah. and I don't know what that percentage is, and, and if there's anything KD can do to win them over. Yeah, yeah stay healthy. That's what I think it is. I honestly, I think he's got to win a title. I, I think there are some fans, and this—I'm not even saying this is wrong—but I think there are some fans that are like, "You traded away my favorite player. I'm not going to be happy, no matter what happens." Sure, and there was an awful lot to like about Mikael Bridges and, and Cam. Cam Johnson. Yeah. An awful lot to like about those two guys. I'm not denying that whatsoever. Um, it's just, to your point, you know, I, I don't think that Mikel Bridges ever gets that shot here with a Devin Booker. I just don't think it would have happened, the opportunity. And not only that, too, you've got to give 
the Brooklyn Nets an awful lot of credit as an organization. They are cultivating this. They are bringing this out of Macal Bridges right now. And having said that, it's one thing to go out there and look good over a month or over two months of an NBA season. It's quite another thing, Basin Onions, to go out and build an entire career when you're considered one of the ten best players to ever do it. (laughs) It takes time. We need large sample size, large sample sizes to compare. And right now, we don't have that. Yeah. And, and you know, Mikel was, was before the trade, there was that stretch where he started to kind of do this with the Suns. Remember, it was like, was because that late January? To, yeah. January, I mean, there was a stretch where he was just 20 points plus every single night, really up right up until the trade. I mean, he was, he was consistently 24, 21, 28, 22, 24. Uh, you know, a little bit of a dip to 18 and 16, then 25, 29, 23, 25, 24, 21. That was his last stretch of games before he got traded. But the thing is, you know, he's in Brooklyn. He's playing great. They're 10 and 13. I mean, would you rather yeah. be the team that's 10 and 13 since they got McKell? Or would you rather be the team? And I know KD hasn't played. And you're right. He's got to stay healthy. They're 6 and 0 when he's out there. Yeah. And it's not like he's a passenger. In fact, you, I would argue the last two games, he was the main reason why they won those two games. Yeah, it'd be hard to actually argue that. Um, but once again, you know, you, you stop and think about it with Mikel Bridges. Uh, I, I just don't think he would have gotten the opportunity to go out there and be the man the way that he's getting that opportunity right now in Brooklyn. I, I talk about this all the time. It doesn't matter what sport you're considering as well. It doesn't matter what sport you're talking about it doesn't just because a guy developed in this organization doesn't mean he would have developed in yours never forget that the set of circumstances are completely different in a certain paradigm within an organization and the least of which is not teammates that are surrounding the guy That's a big part of any player's development as to whether or not a young guy is going to develop or whether a young guy is going to be a bust. It's so much of that has to do with his teammates and how he assimilates into the locker room. Uh, Monty Williams, after the game yesterday, talking about Kevin Durant and why he has become so clutch in this league. I just think the, the ability to be in the right spot like those corner threes he got you know they were switching and they went small when you have him and book on the same side you know you have to pick which one you want to help off of or help to because da puts a lot of pressure on the rim but then you know the shots off the the dribble um posting up like there's you know there's no there's not a way that he can't score and um I think the thing that's nobody talks about with those kinds of players, they want those shots. Um, they're so used to having the ball in their hands. It's I wouldn't call it a luxury because I don't want to disrespect those moments, but guys work their tails off uh, to be ready for those shots, and he and Book are case in point. So that's what Kevin does. Um, I tell you, Wolf, one of the things that has stood out the most to me about him in these first six games, and it's not... It's not like he came over from Europe. Like we all saw this when he was playing with Golden State and Brooklyn and like everybody knows what Kevin Durant is, but when he's hitting those outside shots, which is basically all the time and has been for his entire career, you can't defend him. Like 
if his shot's going in, he's too tall to be making that shot consistently, and yet he makes it consistently. What are you going to do? Yeah, no. If, if those corner threes that Monty's talking about right there, you can't stop those. If he's hitting his shots, the Suns are going to win. Yes. Um, I have to tell you right now, yeah, KD looks happy, doesn't he? He looks happy. He does. He, I mean, his post-game comments, he just kind of is like getting into it. Like, oh, I'm gonna, I'll break down this play I, for you. I'm, I'm just thinking about what he came from in Brooklyn and what he's, he's experiencing right now and the kind of teammates that he actually has. He looks, he looks comfortable and he looks happy to me. Um, and the impact that he's playing, just watching him go out there and play putting up 35 while shooting 62% from the field. <laughs> it's unreal. It's pretty good. It's unreal, but again, he's been doing it his whole career. Exactly. So there's not this thought of like, oh, but what if he starts to go gold in the playoffs? He doesn't. Your issue is, can will he be on the floor? And if he is on the floor, you like your chance to beat pretty much everybody. Real quick, here's KD talking about DA after the game. Yeah, definitely more on the road. I mean, the more rest that we can get, the better we can get. You know, DA is a huge target. And, um, he can he has touch out to the midi. So if we can get him a ball and in this position to score, then that's going to make us even more dangerous. And, uh, you know, sometimes I drive through him, his man will come up and help sometimes to test my mid-range shots and I can dump it off. So I could be more better. I could be I could be better in those situations and be more patient, uh, wait for DA a little bit more in the post. Uh, but we're going to get better. Well, if Kevin Durant says you have touch out to the midi, that means you can – that's a pretty high compliment. The guy is so special. But, you know, what really is special is his defense in general overall. And we talked a little bit about this. His play on SGA, man. Shea Gilgis Alexander, his block was absolutely awesome to watch. Booker dribbles past Alexander, who reaches in behind him, knocks it away, gets the loose ball, tries for the dunk. It's blocked from behind by Durant, and Booker has it into the forecourt. KD was fired up, too. Oh, after my goodness. Be. Think about it, Basin Orleans. If you saw that play, you know what that looked like. What does that kind of defense say to everyone else that is on the floor for the Phoenix Suns? What does that kind of effort say about Kevin Durant and the person that he is? Goes out there and scores 35 points while shooting 62% from the floor and play defense like that, the way that he does, to give that kind of effort in a game where you're already... In the lead. Well, and that was basically it because that's a steal by SGA who was over 30 points again. He's over 30 points every game. And it also feels like the Suns play Oklahoma City like every other day now. <laughs> kind of, I appreciate SGA, but I'm sick of watching him put up 30 plus. But that, if he just goes in there and, and scores, it's 118, 111 with about a minute 40 left. Yeah. And so, or 118, 113 rather with about a minute 40 left. So they're right back in the game. Yeah. KD blocks it and it's just kind of like, all right, that's it. You know, I mean, you still had to go through the last minute 41 and there was some back and forth and, you know, Chris Paul hit a big shot, but that was a game changing play, not just because it was cool looking. It was, that was kind of Oklahoma City's last gasp to get back into the game. And he, of all people, just walked down and snuffed it right out. Yeah, by the way, again, 35 points on 62% from the field. And he plays that kind of defense and gives that kind of effort. What's your excuse? Trade for him a second time. Uh, text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. All right, uh, when we come back, Cardinals aren't getting a lot of uh, buyers on DeAndre Hopkins right now. Is there a chance they might end up getting nothing for him? That's next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. 
Well, if you got me totally distracted with this uh, trade value chart. <laughs> I know. You're, that's really made a big impression. On well, I, I knew about it, chart. but I, I don't know why I've never. I, I think I just stumbled onto a good site because it's got the it's got it for this year. It's got the value for each team's okay. pick one through seven yeah. in, okay. in terms of the rounds uh, for this year. So like I was looking before and like Tennessee. So the Cardinals, the third overall pick. The value is 2,200 points on the trade value chart, right? Yeah. Tennessee's entire draft isn't worth 2,200 points. <laughs> so there's nothing they can do in this year's draft that would make... But like Las Vegas, the Raiders, you look and you're like, okay, well maybe the seventh pick, that's 1,500, plus another 520 for the second round pick they have. Plus, if they wanted to give up their third round pick, you'd be that would be twenty two sixty. Yeah, and the Cardinals okay. pick is worth twenty two hundred. We'll take that twenty two sixty. Okay, so now I'm but just you know lost what? I'm not this. crazy about it. You know what I'm crazy about? I'm crazy about the Indianapolis Colts moving up to number three, and we still get Will Anderson. Well, you just want Ryan Kelly. Well, what I was just going to say is that Albert Breer, Sports Illustrated, just tweeted out that the Colts are working out both Ohio State quarterback C.J. Stroud and Alabama quarterback Bryce Young today in Southern California. <laughs> <laughs> that was an evil laugh. Boy, that will <laughs> Boy, that that will subside all of their desires, I'm sure. Can you imagine they're going to be even more bent on moving up yeah, but I, to number 3. I want them working out Anthony Richardson. Yeah, but uh, again, um I I I get your point, but who knows? Anthony Richardson might not be the third quarterback taken. Maybe that's who Houston wants. Maybe that's who they've wanted all that's along. Exactly 53% right. completion percentage seems like something that would appeal to Houston. Yes, all we know, the Indianapolis Colts, they want a quarterback. Don't you? Per se. Uh, yeah, I really do think that we may have stumbled on something last week when we were trying to figure out. Like, you just you need you need some team to go crazy and zero in on one player. Yes. Well, I mean, of all the people in the NFL, wouldn't Jim Irsay be near the top of that list of somebody that Jerry Jones too? But he's not desperate for a quarterback. But Jim Irsay, of all people, would be the one that's like, I like Will Levis, and I'll trade everything for him. Jimmy, yeah. what are you going to do about it? Yeah. And if you're his GM, what are you going to be like? Sorry, Jim, we're not going to do that. You just wasted a month trying to talk him into not rehiring Jeff Saturday permanently as your coach. You're probably a little tired if you're Indianapolis. Uh, This is Albert Breer on the Bedard podcast talking about a potential trade for the Cardinals and DeAndre Hopkins, or maybe no trade at all, actually. I mean, some teams, Craig, think they're going to cut him. think the Cardinals are going to wind up cutting him. Oh, Uh, his market, his market is not great right now. And mm-hmm. even for teams like, say, like Kansas City, like Kansas City would need him to take a significant pay to pay. pay yeah, he'd have to be like, take the Smith Schuster deal from like right, a year ago. Right, right. So, like, I, I just, I don't, I clearly there's nobody that was willing to take on the contract and pay the Cardinals initial price. Yeah. So, okay, Um, it's going to be interesting to to listen to Albert Breer talk about some teams think they're just going to cut him. Yeah. So I know some teams think they're just they're going to cut him. You have a theory on this, and I think you might be on to something with the theory before you say your theory, Wolf. If the Cardinals just end up cutting DeAndre Hopkins, that's really going to suck. Like if that actually happened. If yeah. that actually happened, the yeah. way this, I mean, 
Yeah, I'm not even going to try and get into it. Just make me feel better with what your theory is as to why that teams might be saying that. Once again, you have to understand this is a tactic that some NFL teams have used in the past. Some general managers have used in the past. Um, The Oakland Raiders. Well, not the Oakland Raiders. The Raiders, period. Forget about the Oakland part of that. Oakland and L.A., then Oakland. Um, Yeah, all over the place. Forget about that. The Raiders. This is a team that made an announcement that they were going to cut Rodney Hudson. Remember that? I, that was like, I'll never forget that. And I said it at the time, ladies and gentlemen, there is no way they're going to cut Rodney Hudson. But that's what came down. The story came down, brothers, that the Raiders were getting ready to release Rodney Hudson. Now, that's the only part of the story that came out. They did not release Rodney Hudson. Why would the Raiders want to release that kind of information in regard to Rodney Hudson? I feel like somebody else did this in the last couple of years, too, didn't they? That was the one that impacted the Cardinals, but I feel like somebody else tried this tactic. Yeah, it, it, it's okay. Um, somebody did, of course. They did it with Deshaun Watson as well. Uh, they yeah, let okay. it be known. Okay, and, and the reason being is because if a team is interested in your guy— and you make the announcement you're going to cut him. I'm the general manager. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa! What, what? What do you mean you're going to you're going to cut him? You're going to release him? He's going to become a free agent? Is that what you're saying right now? You're just going to let him go? You're going to cut him? And now all of a sudden we're going to have to sit here and maybe compete on what he's going to play for because we're not going to just pick up his contract. We're not going to do that. We're not that dumb. So now I'm going to be competing on the free agent market. Why don't I give you a fifth round pick? See, somebody will give you something. And that's what you do. The Cardinals have not released this yet. They have not released this information that they're going to cut the way that it was attributed to the Raiders when they made their announcement. The Cardinals have not done that. This is Albert Breer saying he's talked to other teams. I'll go down. And this, they think the Cardinals are going to cut them. This rabbit hole with you because where I where I do think it it holds a little bit of water is if you're in that scenario that you're talking about and you just kind of float out there to a few teams. Yeah, you know what? We might just cut them. You would think on the surface, like, what are you doing? But look at the teams that are most linked to a DeAndre Hopkins trade: Kansas City and Buffalo. Two teams that can't really pay him if he hits the open market because they don't have the cap space to pay him. So if he were to hit the open market, then if you're Kansas City, you have to appeal to the side of DeAndre Hopkins that wants a ring before he retires because you're not going to be able to match if Carolina or whoever comes along that has cap space and they're like, yeah, the Chiefs can give you this. We can give you 175% of that. Like We can give you almost double So you're right. If you're the Chiefs or the Bills, you don't necessarily want to be in that position. You want some control over it. So it could just be the Cardinals getting frustrated that teams are just dragging their feet on this and being like, you can drag your feet. We'll just cut them, and somebody else can come pick them up. Yeah, and I love that right there. You know, let's say Albert Breer is right on this, that he's talked to some other teams, and some other teams think, yeah, you know, they they just might cut them. Um, Who would tell the other teams that? Who would tell them that? Maybe maybe it's the Arizona Cardinals as well. You know, I might just go ahead and do that. 
Okay, so if you're interested, if you just want to talk to him one-on-one where we can work out a trade and then you can renegotiate a contract with him, or if you want him to hit the open market, your host, if that happens, because now your your dreams of getting him on the cheap are out the window. Well, look, if, if that happened, if the Cardinals, if teams called their bluff and they actually just cut DeAndre Hopkins, I'd be livid. I'd hate it. It wouldn't look great. I don't think they really care what Luke Lipinski in, in Phoenix, Arizona thinks. They're trying to build their team, right? At a certain point, if teams like Buffalo are like, yeah, maybe we'll give you a fifth, maybe you know, maybe a sixth. Yeah. If you're not getting anything for him anyway, then what do you have to lose to float it out there? If Yeah, we'll just let him go. Yeah, he, Unless you make me an offer right now. Exactly. You want people lining up at the door, brothers. That's what you want. You want people coming out of the woodwork that are like, well, whoa, wait, before you do that, we'll give you a fifth round pick, whatever it may be. And that might be the situation the Arizona Cardinals are in right now. Because here's the one thing, as far as I'm concerned, when you're starting to create this new culture and you're trying to change the culture of an organization, and you're trying to step forward, the one thing you cannot have is a dissident. You can't. You can't have somebody that will say, sorry, I'm just not practicing Wednesday. Is that okay? This is the way I prepared myself this whole time. No, we're trying to establish this new culture. You can't do that, DeAndre. We're trying to establish this new culture. You can see the problem that would create. The, the problem is uh, everybody seems to see that problem. So that's two problems right there. Exactly right. Uh, win lower level tickets for this Thursday's D-backs home opener against the Dodgers. Just text baseball to 620-620 to com- uh, for complete details and your chance to win. Again, that's baseball to 620-620 when we come back. We'll get Jody Jackson's biggest takeaways from that series opener against uh, the Dodgers. It's Wolf and Luke in Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I think this would be uh, Jody Jackson's batting music. Jody Jackson, like oh, the walk up. happiest, oh, yeah. nicest person in the world. <laughs> <laughs> this is like the angriest dog ever. <laughs> uh, Although it does kind of, yes, thank you. Jody Jackson of Bally Sports is joining us right now on the Arizona Sports Line. Talk a little D-backs baseball as they get ready for a quick two-game series in San Diego tonight. Jody, thank you for the time. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah, that's the music I run to, though. The angry <laughs> the angry rock, the angry rap. I mean, and then otherwise, I'm very happy. But when I'm running, I, I do like that motivation. Nice. Jody, it's very, very the hard angry for runner. me to thank you being angry <laughs> with a furrowed brow. Sorry, Jody. <laughs> that's okay. That's all right. I'm good, guys. It's a great day in San Diego, a little chilly. You know, we went from L.A. where WrestleMania had taken over the town and the hotel, like our hotel had like all these wrestlers and the wild outfits and everyone just flexing in the mirrors and stuff. And then now we get to San Diego where it could go wild tonight if they win the national championship. Right. So it's crazy. You just described every gym in Scottsdale with people just flexing in the mirrors <laughs> and dressed up weird. Um, yeah, I had to get out of the gym. I was like, I do not belong here. I'm going outside. To run, so. We were talking earlier that this it's a split and they got outscored 20 to seven. I understand that, but it, it felt like considering the opponent and considering you know the D-backs are still a developing team that kind of felt like a win over the 
weekend. How, how did you walk out of that series feeling? Oh, absolutely. I mean, yesterday was such a big win because you leave there now two and two instead of one and three. And, you know, last year this team was 10 and 28 against the Dodgers and Padres and 64 and 60 against everybody else. So not only do you play them less this year, but you start out two and two. You know, we know we're going to see them at home just later this week. Um, you got these two games against the Padres. It was huge. And, and as you guys know, they didn't play very well. They didn't really hit the ball except for Christian Walker. Um, they strung together a couple of hits. Didn't really pitch well. Um, Zach Davies kind of gave them the best start of the weekend. And, you know, the Dodgers looked great. Like, the Dodgers pitchers, you know, Syndergaard was good. Urias was really good. Dustin May. Dustin May and Syndergaard didn't win the games that they pitched really well in because the D-backs just have this knack for, I mean, a Friday night leaving there with that win after the Kyle Lewis two-run homer, and then Chafin gets the save. Yesterday, the speed that was able to take advantage of the Dodgers there, Corbin Carroll in the two scoring plays of the day, um, and then the ninth inning play there with Jake McCarthy. I mean, they, they just kind of stole that win and, and left town and another save. So two for two on saves, which is great, too. That's a positive sign. Um, so it was huge. It's a great way for them to start the season. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely, Jody. I, I wanted that game. Game four, I wanted that so bad for the Diamondbacks. I won't get into the details of it, but <laughs> okay, Mad Bum, what, what can you tell us about Madison Bumgarner and his condition today? Well, it was it was rough uh, the other night, Saturday's start, seeing him give up that grand slam in the first inning. Team is down 5-1. to one. Then after the game, you know, he kind of gutted out the next few innings. But it was, it was too late. The, the hole had already been dug there. And then he said he didn't feel very good after the game, which I thought was like, I'm thinking that's a real honest answer. Just didn't, he didn't really explain it. Just said one of those things, one of those days you don't feel real good. And then the next day we see that, um, you know, Tori talked about him going to get evaluated. But you do look at the velocity was down even from last spring training. Mm-hmm. Started the year last year, the spin rate was down on the breaking balls. And so, you know, hopefully he's okay. But you do have to wonder, you know, what does this mean for him? Um you know, if the arm, you know, if there's an issue with the arm, we'll know, we should know a little more maybe today. I, I'm not sure. I know he said, uh, and then Mad Bum felt like, okay, I'm just a little fatigued. It's a bit of a dead arm period, which, um, well, he didn't really talk about that, but that's what I assume that it is if you're just feeling that fatigue, because we do hear guys talk about, like, having that dead arm. But it, it is a concern because even though April is a weird month for pitchers, I mean, you know, we had every reason to think he was going to be ready to go out of the gate. So, you know, they do have great depth now. Um, they are, it's young depth, a lot of young guys that are not real experienced. But I think we all feel good about the guys that could take his place if he does miss a start. But he doesn't want to miss a start. I could tell talking to him the other night, he he, he really um, he hates to miss a start or, or not even give the team six innings. So I'm sure he's going to try to get out there. But on the medical staff will have to weigh in on that. Talking to Jody Jackson of Bally Sports, you know, Jody, all the, the talk coming up to this season was the excitement over some of these young players like a Corbin Carroll or a Jake McCarthy or Alec Thomas or Gabriel Moreno. It's only four games, but the only guys that really hit well in that first series were Christian Walker and Kyle Lewis had that big hit on, on Friday. We haven't got to talk to you on the air about this. Who are you most excited to see over the, the course of this season? 
Gee, it's really, there's a lot of guys. It's, it's kind of not really one guy. I guess, I guess Corbin Carroll, just because he can do so many things. I mean, he's three for 14 right now, but, you know, he's kind of like staying in it, right? If you're, if you're you know, one for 14 or some of these, oh, oh for, you know, you're not. But he was making enough things happen over the weekend um, between getting a couple of hits. And then when he gets on base, he just, I mean, he created that run. I mean, Perdomo did knock him in with a double, but uh, in the middle of that game, getting on the board uh, for the D-backs to score that first run, you know, Carroll stole second, stole third. Will Smith couldn't even get the ball off. So you can see what kind of chaos he creates. Um, but there's a, there's a lot of guys. And, yeah, Dre Jamison. Um, I'm, I, probably Dre Jamison and Corbin Carroll are at the top of my list as far as some of those young guys I'm looking forward to watching. What can you tell us about tonight's matchup, especially between Ryan Nelson and Ryan Weathers? Well, yeah, Ryan Weathers, you know, has kind of struggled in his outings against the D-backs. He's in the he's in the rotation um, because Joe Musgrove dropped a weight on his toe and, and I believe has a, a toe injury that he'll be back from very soon. So not to discredit him, I mean, we all know how that goes. You know, he could certainly have a very good outing. Hopefully the D-backs are able to get to him. Ryan Nelson is another guy that I'm really excited about. I mean, he he had his debut out here. Um, he pitched really well, seven innings, and uh, didn't give up a run. And then, you know, when he faced him a couple weeks later, gave up a couple runs. So 1.47 ERA in the three starts. I feel like these guys have had more than three starts, but um, they really they really haven't. But they had a really good test last year against the Padres and Dodgers, and so I'm excited to see what he's going to do. But I think that, you know, this team now has a little momentum. It, it is only as strong as the next day's starter and, and just the matchup. But these guys have a lot of confidence now coming out of there, even though even though they were outscored 20-7, uh, to 7, but getting two wins in L.A. is a big deal. Talking to Jody Jackson of Valley Sports, Jody, um, if Madison Bumgarner had to miss any time, or you know, maybe even just make this question more broad, if any pitcher has to miss a little bit of time in that starting rotation, do you have a sense of who the next guy up would be? Dre Jamison was, was in the mix in spring training. He, he pitched four innings the other day. Everybody talks about Brandon Fott, obviously. Do you think it's one of those two guys or somebody else? I mean, the other guy that it could be is Tommy Henry. Um, Tommy Henry's pitching in Reno. Brandon Fott pitched yesterday in Reno. Um, Dre Jamison, of course, could take that start. Um, he, you know, he's so interesting, though, in that role that Tori Lovello has described as kind of Archie Bradley's role because you see the most potentially a crucial point in the game later in the game where you can use him for one or two or even three innings or something like that. I mean, He's just, I mean, there's, I think Merrill Kelly, Merrill Kelly said it well the other day. Like, he's got a 99-mile-an-hour fastball, a wipeout slider. It's like, it's just such a dangerous, lethal combination that you can use. It's a weapon, right, for the Steve-Axe team. So, of course, as a starter, that's it's great. But also in this relief role, it's kind of interesting as well. So, I'm not sure the decision that they'll make there. Um, but they do have a lot of options, and I think that um, you know Tony Henry has probably the most experience. But you could certainly bring Brandon Fott up as well. Well, Jody, we appreciate the time. Enjoy San Diego. This is an exciting start to what uh, we hope is going to stay an exciting season. Absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Jody. Thanks a lot. That's Jody Jackson of Bally Sports. Really is probably the nicest person in media. Yeah, no doubt. Definitely about has it. you beat Wolf. Yeah, Sorry. absolutely. Not even close. <laughs> no slam dunk. <laughs> All right, when we come back, who do you want to see the Suns play in the first round of the playoffs? They don't have a whole lot of control over it yet. Speaking uh, of. Or who do you want to see them avoid?
It's Wolf and Luke in Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.